One of the strange uh, characteristics of, of uh, classic movies is that some of them are, are quotable. And uh, you don't realize the quotes that you have in your mind from movies that you've seen over the years. So just a couple of examples. One is uh, The Wizard of Oz. You remember when Dorothy said this, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Or uh, in the movie Jaws, when the main character says, you're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, and then who could forget Rocky when he says, yo, Adrian. <laughs> so today, our topic is speech. Uh, we've been going through a, uh, uh, a series on um, Proverbs, and today we're talking about our speech, uh, the idea that words matter. Things we say have an impact on others around us. So our topic, I'm sorry, our title today is going to be, uh, you've said a mouthful, and our three points are going to be blessing, cursing, and life. So if you have a Bible with you, you can be turning to Proverbs chapter 12, and we'll be bouncing around throughout Scripture today, but we're going to start in Proverbs 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow uh, with me because I'll, I'll have the uh, the Bible verses on screen. I still encourage you to, to, to look them up later and let God speak to you. But again, our, our title today is You've Said a Mouthful, and our uh, three points, blessing, cursing, and life. So let's pray together, and let's see what God has for us. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, dear God, you are faithful in all things. Lord, I thank you. Uh, you just seem to, to show up every Sunday uh, here at this church. And God, I thank you um, that we're able and we're free to be able to worship you, uh, to be able to sing to you, Lord, to offer our lives to you. And God, I thank you, too, that we're able to, to hear your word. I pray that it be you today speaking to every heart, and God, that you would change each one of us. Lord, you really are an awesome God. We love you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so our first point today is blessing. And I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the definition of blessing. Blessings are meant to have a positive effect on the recipient, the person receiving it. The one giving the blessing is hoping to pronounce the will of God upon another person. A short definition would be a word of great encouragement. So we're going to start with Proverbs chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 25. And it says this, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Well, I think every one of us can relate to the first part of that verse. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Anxiety, heaviness of heart, sorrow, maybe depression, feeling that invisible weight that pulls you down. And then God talks about a cure in the second half of that verse. He says, a good word. Well, what is a good word? It's a pleasant word, an agreeable word, something positive, something heavenly. It has the effect of lifting up our spirits. Um, one way we can do that to one another is to remind one another of God's promises. You know, when someone else is down, to encourage them and vice versa. If you're down, to hear that kind of word from someone else. When someone reminds you of God's love, when someone reminds you that there's a Savior. I mean, that alone is awesome news. Uh, that that Savior is preparing a place for those of us who believe in him. 
when we start thinking about that place, to remember that this world we live in is temporary, but the place he's preparing is eternal. And God really knows how to throw a party. A good word lifts our spirits. There's another verse I want to look at in in the book of Proverbs, and it's in chapter 25, verse 11, going on with the same idea about about, uh, a blessing. And it goes like this. It says, uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. That's like a proper word spoken at the proper time in a proper way. And it has great impact. And sometimes that word may not be what you want to hear. But it might be what you need to hear. Sometimes, you heard me right, sometimes a blessing It may not be what you want to hear, but it may be what you need to hear. When I think of this verse, um, the first example that comes to my mind is something that happened when I was in high school. And I got to tell you that I'm not very proud of this moment, but I have not forgotten it. Um, And I wanted I wanted to share it with you all uh, because as I've been praying about this sermon, I just felt that. Someone would be in here today that just needed to hear this story. So when you hear it, you're going to say, that's it. But all that happened was uh, when I was about 16 or 17, I came home one night and I was drunk, just totally intoxicated. The only person that was up was my mom. And she, she, was, she was sitting at the kitchen table and... Uh, she was crocheting. Uh, for you little people, that's something that old ladies used to do, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, uh, she was just making a, an, an afghan. And, um, and I remember there she was at the table. And I was standing at the doorway to the kitchen. And she looked up at me just for a few seconds. And then she looked back down. And she just kept working away at her crochet. And there was this long pregnant pause. And finally, without, without looking, without looking back up to me, she said, I already have one alcoholic to deal with in this house. I don't need another one. And I'm telling you, y'all, like I said, I was 16 or 17 years old. Man, I remember that moment. I mean, like it was last night. I never came home in that condition again. So I want to read this verse again that we just read. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. If you think of what she said, it was a brief little statement, y'all. It was not a long speech. When she said it, I muttered something back to her and I walked off to my room. But like I say, I've never forgotten it. Never came home in that condition again. So I'm just sharing that in case, just in case someone needs to hear that today. Uh, Sometimes my mom got it just right, right? It was like, Golden apples in a silver frame. It's a beautiful picture. Now, 
I learned a long time ago, as long as we're talking about blessing, that one way to uh, uh, to develop successful uh, and positive uh, young people is the same way you go mining for diamonds. And it's true with young people. It's also true with adults. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, if you go mining for diamonds, uh, you have to push through a lot of dirt, don't you? Just to find a few precious jewels. But the trick is this. You don't go in looking for the dirt. Anybody can do that. You go in overlooking the dirt. And you're looking for those few precious jewels. That's the way I try to look at young people. And I think that's one thing that's kept me working with young people for a long time. But but in truth, we're all like that. Uh, I mean, isn't it? You know, uh, it's in our natural state. It's easy to see the dirt on people, right? But the best way to develop other people, to encourage them, to give them a blessing, is to overlook that dirt. And God, by the way, can give you the ability to do that, okay? Because that's how he looks at us. Uh, I think of a few examples of when he did that. One of them was with Gideon in the book of Judges. Um, Gideon was the guy that God was planning to put him in charge of leading the nation of Israel, leading their army. But... Gideon was afraid. And so God sent an angel to speak to Gideon while Gideon was hiding out. That's what he was doing. And I just want to read that one verse. You don't have to know the whole story to understand this. But um, I want to read the verse. It's in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. You get what he's telling him? The Lord is with you, you courageous man. And Gideon was hiding, right? He was hiding out and God spoke a word to him, not about where Gideon was in the moment, but the potential he had if he was completely surrendered to God. Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. We see this in Matthew chapter four, verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, at the time they were just fishing fish. And Christ was giving them a vision beyond what they had ever thought about, that they could have an impact not just on fish, but on the lives and souls of people. And that impact would go on and on and on. When Jesus spoke to them, he spoke a blessing to them, not about where they were, but where they could be. Now, the earliest example I can think of uh, from my childhood of uh, words creating confidence in me. Uh, happened when I was in third grade and uh, uh, we went out to PE. And the thing was, um, you know, uh, in my home, we always emphasize school and classes and stuff like that. And so I was actually a great student all the way through the third grade. <laughs> but anyway, but um, but when it came to sports, I mean, I was just we just never played any sports. My dad was gone on a ship most of the time. And when he was home, we just didn't have much of a relationship, uh, like I mentioned earlier. So here we were, third grade, and it's P.E., and the teacher, uh, she was going to pitch to everyone who came up to bat. And so, you know, half the team's in the outfield, and the other half is up to bat, and it's my turn. And I'm telling you all, eight years old, I'd never held a bat before, okay? A couple of guys had to come up, show me how to hold it. Man, I was nervous. Now, this teacher, her name was Miss Brem. Why do I remember that? Because every boy in the third grade had a crush on Miss Brem. 
Okay. Now look, I'm going to tell you right now, Connie is a hottie. Okay. <laughs> but Miss Brown, everybody had a crush on her. Okay. When we were eight years old. And so, um, especially Charlie Zappala. I don't know why I remember that. But anyway, but here we were. And, you know, I come up to bat and Miss Brown spoke a word of blessing to me. All she said was, here comes Slugger Lopez. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I was dumb enough to believe it. <laughs> and so I came up to bat and I just had so much confidence and I knew that ball was going to sail. Now, everybody in here is wondering right now, how far did you hit that ball? Well, let me tell you, you don't have to know that. The point is that words have an impact and we have the opportunity to bless people any day at any moment. Our second point today is cursing. I want to talk about cursing for a minute. Uh, here's the definition. It's to invoke or to wish ill on someone, to utter offensive words and anger. In short, it is a great word of discouragement. It's the opposite of a blessing. So we begin in Proverbs 15, verse 1. It says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Verse 4, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Look at some of those phrases that I underlined there for you. Verse one, a harsh word. Verse two, the mouths of fools pour out folly. Verse four, perverseness breaks the spirit. Did you know it's possible to break the spirit of your pet? I think we've all seen that at times when, when you, you can just tell something's not right when a dog walks by his master and if the master moves, the dog kind of flinches. Like it just gives you the idea that something is not right. And unfortunately, the same thing can happen with families as well, with kids. It's possible to break the spirit of a human being. Let me do a quick experiment with everybody in here, okay? I want you to think back over the years, and I want you to raise your hand when you can think of five different times that someone spoke a blessing or an encouraging word to you. Raise your hand. When you can think of five times, I'm not going to call on you, okay? I just want to show just an experiment. When you can think of five, raise your hands high so we can see them. When you think of five, when you think of five words of encouragement. Hands down. Raise your hand. When you can think of five times, someone discouraged you. Does anybody see a difference? We have the opportunity to bless people at any moment, but we also have the opportunity to be cursed. Words have an impact. It could have been a parent, could have been a teacher, could have been a coach, could have been a boss, could have been a sibling. Sometimes it could even be a friend that speaks that word that just hurts your spirit and brings you down. It could have been a statement like this. You're a failure. Or you're never going to change. Or why can't you be more like your sibling? Or maybe you were compared to someone else. 
Do you know uh, inmates uh, in prison that many of them, I can't say all of them, but many of them will tell you that over and over in their childhood, what they heard was one day you're going to wind up in jail. Words have an impact. Back in uh, 1939, there was an experiment done on on children and uh, some of them had speech impediments. Some some did not. Um, but I just want to read this to you. It became known as the monster study because of how terrible uh, the impact of this experiment had. Um, uh, it had unethical me- methods. This experiment determined the effects of positive and negative speech therapy on children. So the doctor in charge was named Wendell Johnson of the University of Iowa. He selected 22 orphan children, some with stutters and some without. He engaged the stutterers in positive speech therapy, praising them for their fluency and the non-stutterers in negative speech therapy, belittling them for every mistake. As a result of the experiment, some of the children who received the negative speech therapy suffered psychological effects and retained speech problems for the rest of their lives. Words have an impact. And we have the opportunity at any moment to give someone a blessing or to give someone a curse. Now, you want some good news? <laughs> Christ has the ability to break any curse. Whatever anyone has spoken over you, Christ has that ability. And so before we move on to our third point, as we're ending our second point, we're still talking about cursing. I still wanted to give you some hope. And so I wanted you to see this verse. This comes from John chapter 8, verse 32. And this is something Jesus said. Did you catch that? This is something Jesus said, right? So let's pay attention to what he said. Jesus said, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. If you ever feel like someone has placed any kind of curse over you, Jesus has said his truth is more powerful. That's what makes him almighty God. And his truth can break the power of any lie that has ever, ever been spoken over you. Now, uh, when my 21-year-old was back about, he was about five or six years old. So we're talking about my son, Ian. He played soccer. And um, and this is back, you know, when they were, like I say, about five or six. And so uh, I don't know if you ever watched little children's soccer, but they only put eight people on the field, like four for each team. And they look like Cheerios in a bowl. You know, they all kind of gather together and they all kind of run around the ball. And then eventually somebody breaks out and, you know, either you know, kicks the ball into the goal or out of bounds, right? Well, this particular game, there was a kid on the other team. And during the first half, uh, as they ran around together, he would always break out and would score a goal. I mean, over and over and over again, about six, seven or eight times. And then it was halftime. And, you know, uh, coach talked to, you know, our, you know our, our team of four. And then they went back out. And before the second half started, I saw Ian. (laughs) He leans over to that kid and he whispered something to him. Then they started the second half. And I'm telling you, this isn't just a dad being proud of his kid, okay? Something happened to that kid on the other team. It's like 
it's almost like he was he wasn't even on the field anymore. And so now when they'd be running around, Ian kept being the one that would break out of the circle and he would run. (laughs) He would run down and score. All right. So much that I could just stand by the goal and snap pictures. So I want you to see this picture for a second. And I want you to see, look how innocent he looks, right? (laughs) Doesn't he look sweet and innocent? (laughs) If you know him, you know there's more to this story, right? Well, after the game, we get back in the car and I turned to him. I said, Ian, what, what did you tell that kid? And he was laughing. He said, I whispered to him, we're coming back. <laughs> he psyched a kid out at five years old. Okay. You know why, y'all? Because we have the power to put a curse on people. Okay. And I don't mean magically. I mean, just getting in their heads, right? Words have an impact. Okay. We can have a ne- negative impact or positive We can speak blessing or a curse, but our words have an impact, okay? All right, our third point today. Third point today is life. This is what God tells us, y'all. He says that we have the power of life and death in our mouths. That's pretty powerful. We have the power of life and death in our mouths. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Okay. I don't know how that verse makes you feel. I don't know if it makes you feel negative or positive, but it's scary if you think about it. That's a lot of power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James expands on this idea in chapter three of James. I wanted to read a passage here beginning at verse three. I'm sorry, verse six of James chapter three. Again, talking about the power of the tongue, he says this, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty powerful. That makes me not want to talk as much. You know, I might just pass out my notes and quit talking. Verse seven, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. (laughs) Verse nine, with it, we bless our Lord and father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of god from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so right there uh, almost at the end verse 9 he says with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse people verse 10 from the same mouth come blessing and cursing We have the power to encourage. We have the power to discourage. When I was mentioning the monster experiment uh, experiment earlier, I mean, what a terrible thing. I mean, that even someone would have that idea, you know. I mean, it was great that they had positive uh, encouragement to the kids with speech impediments. But what he did to the other kids, they're just innocent little orphans. And the impact that experiment had. Well, the rest of our time here, I want to talk about the impact that God's words can have on us because God speaks life. The enemy is the great deceiver. 
want you to let that sink in. The enemy is the great deceiver. And we've all heard lies. I mean, really, most of us going back to our childhood, things that we've heard from from variety of ways that still have an impact on us. And God is greater and he can break the power of those lies. Like I said earlier, the verse we looked at, uh, the truth will set us free. So let's look at a few different examples. Y'all, do you ever feel like a sinner? You ever feel like that? Can we can we get that next slide? Right? There we go. Um, you know, Second Corinthians tells us this. For our sake, he made him to be, to, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God says, if you are a believer. Then you have received the righteousness of Christ. And you don't have to believe that lie anymore about being a sinner. He says you have the righteousness of Christ. What about do you feel rejected? Romans 8 says this. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you ever feel rejected? Well, guess what? Almighty God has chosen you. If you're a believer, he's adopted you into his family. Let his truth, right? Let his truth erase that lie. Do you ever feel alone? First Corinthians 12 says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. I'm a member of the body of Christ, which means I'm always connected to somebody, right? We're not alone, y'all. And we have God, okay? You're not alone. You ever feel like a loser or failure? Did anybody ever speak that over you? I'm a loser or failure. Romans 8 says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God overrules that lie. He says we're more than conquerors. How about I'll never change? You ever feel like that? Second Corinthians says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It is a lie. If someone tells you you'll never change, or if you tell yourself that if you rehearse that lie, it's a lie, y'all. So much better, right? It feels good, doesn't it, to repeat what God says. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Do you ever feel worthless? Romans 5 tells us this. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you ever feel worthless? Do you understand? Jesus showed you how worthy you were to him. Uh, how valuable you were to him in the price he paid. He showed it with his actions. He was willing to die on the cross for you and me. If you ever feel worthless, Jesus changes that not just with his words, but with his actions. Now, I have an extended list um, of uh, it, it has to do with your identity in Christ. There's hundreds of these verses that. Uh, cancel the lies that have been spoken over every one of us in here, y'all. The more we understand our identity in Christ, the more we're able to walk in truth instead of those lies. So just to let you know, for those of you who, who ever visit our, our website, um, if you look up this sermon, there'll be a document attached that has, a, it's over a hundred different promises that, that, uh, where God cancels the lies and talks about our identity. But, if you're if you're not um, uh, if you're computer challenged, okay, 
please let me know. Just just text me or call me this week, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll print it out for you. It's about six pages long, and but we'll get that in your hands so you can you can rehearse God's truths instead of the lies that we tend to believe. Y'all, uh, when my daughter Kristen uh, was getting close to going to college, uh, she was a senior in high school, and she had been riding the fence for a long time. Um, she had been living both sides of the fence, like like sometimes for the world and sometimes for Christ. I mean, it was really totally schizo because she would talk to her friends about how they could have a relationship with Christ, but then she'd be really wild too at the same time. That lasted for about two years. Before she went to college, Connie and I had a long discussion about, well, maybe we should send her to a Christian school. And we prayed about it and we felt like this. You can find God anywhere. And you can find sin anywhere, right? Am I right? And so I, I, I told her it's not the school. Uh, in fact, all my kids know this, that, that the, where the place where I began my relationship with Christ was at LSU. That's where I learned how to pray, how to read the Bible, uh, how to share Christ with people, how to lead a Bible study. All that stuff I learned while I was at LSU. So I'm telling you, by experience, you can find God anywhere. Well, I had that discussion with Kristen before she left. I told her, you can go to LSU and you can walk with God. Or you can go to LSU and you can self-destruct. And praise God, y'all. For about six weeks, she kept riding that fence. And then finally, she said, I had enough. And she chose Christ. We have the power of life and death in our mouths. Which brings us to our application. Three simple thoughts for you. Number one, Marcus and I have been encouraging uh, everyone to do this since we started this uh, series in Proverbs. So the first thing is this, is we want to encourage you to read the book of Proverbs one chapter uh, per day. And so um, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So actually today is the 4th, right? July 4th, in case you didn't know that. And so you can start with Proverbs chapter 4 and tomorrow chapter 5 and just circle around and just read one Of those chapters a day. And see if it has any impact on you. The second thing is this. Become familiar with your identity in Christ. Let God's truths. God's promises. Cancel out the lies. That you believe. Um, And again. You can find that document. It will be attached to the sermon on the website. And I'm going to repeat too. If you're computer challenged. Just contact me. right, And I'll get you one in your hands. Um, And the third thing is this. Speak God's truths. Quit saying those lies, okay? You don't have to rehearse that stuff over yourself, okay? Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning again. And I thank you, God, again. You you really are faithful in all things. Lord, um, I imagine... People in our congregation right now are are feeling uh, a mix of things. Lord, we remember times when we've been blessed. We remember times when we've been deeply discouraged. And Lord, I pray that you would have us spend time in your word, Lord. Help us believe your truths. Lord, thank you that you've already canceled those lies. They are not true. And Lord, I pray that as we speak, as we open our mouths, that we would speak blessings to others, beginning at home. 
and beyond, Lord. We just thank you in Christ's name. Amen.